let's look at Colossians 1, 21. Okay. You know, you, do you know you can develop an indifferent mindset to mm-hmm. something without even realizing it? Mm-hmm. You didn't set out to develop an indifferent mm-hmm. mindset. But when you think something different than God, you have an indifferent mindset. In verse 21, it says, your indifferent mindset alienated you from God into a lifestyle of annoyances, hardship, and labor. Now, you know what I wish we could do? Because sometimes we read this and we go, oh, well, I'm thinking about past tense. You can read that to say your indifferent mindset alienates you. It's not, it's not just something that happened. It can come back if you're not careful. That's why I say we got to we gotta watch our thinking, right? We got to mind our mind. Mind we, our we gotta mind. We got to mind our mind because if we don't mind our mind, we will start having these indifferent thoughts toward the word of God. And if you have these indifferent thoughts toward the word of God, it will lead to a lifestyle of annoyances. It will lead to a lifestyle of hardships. It will lead to a lifestyle of, of, of labor. And we know that labor work itself isn't bad, but toiling is. And that's what that word is, that, that word there is toilet. And do you know one way an indifferent mindset shows up? An indifferent mindset shows up when it convinces you that you already know what the scripture says, mm. so you don't need that. Mm-hmm. You you you're you're um when when the you if you think about one of the things you said earlier when we started talking is that the enemy plays the long game. Mm-hmm. And we were talking to someone yesterday, and I was saying. Listen, this thing that you keep saying as a joke, you have to understand how God created us. Mm -hmm. So you start off saying it as a joke and the enemy gets it in your heart. Mm -hmm. Okay, he gets it in your heart, not because he expects you to act on it today. Right. But he expects you to act on it. In the future, at some point, point, because he's playing the long game, because, see, the enemy knows he cannot stop you from going to heaven. Mm -hmm. If you are a born again believer, he cannot stop you from going to heaven, but he can use your mindset to cause you to live in hell down Mm -hmm. here. Did you hear what I'm saying, guys? Did you hear what we're saying, partners? The enemy cannot stop you from going to heaven. He cannot stop your he cannot change your eternity. But what he can do is drop thoughts and cause you, you receive those thoughts, you pick up those indifferent mindsets, and then he uses those indifferent mindsets to bring you into a lifestyle of annoyances, of hardship, and of labors. And I think we were talking about this, oh, when we taught on Wednesday, we were talking about that. One of the things we really learned to do that we really work so diligently on. Let me tell y'all something, guys. Whether you are a pastor or not, people go people. Yeah, people go people. And somebody is going to say something, do something, act in some way that's going to get on your nerves. You are going to have an opportunity to get offended. You are going to have an opportunity to be angry. You are going to have an opportunity to be depressed. Those opportunities are everywhere, right? Yeah. It is my responsibility with the help of the Holy Spirit to not try to manage you guys to manage me, Mm -hmm. to say this thought that I'm thinking right here, this thought that I'm thinking about my child, this thought that I'm thinking about my husband, right? This thought that I'm thinking about my boss, this thought that I'm thinking about my world is does this thought. Is this thought coming across here to get me to have an indifferent 
mindset that's going to alienate me from God. I love when Nigel just said, you're going to heaven, but having a miserable trip. It's terrible. Having a miserable trip. And as a parent who has taken road trips with little kids, I know that a miserable trip can make you not even want to take the trip and even get to the destination, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's our responsibility to mind our mind. And it's our responsibility to understand that every thought we think doesn't belong to us. You know, and the other part of that is you look at the word indifferent. It doesn't mean that the enemy wants to come and to, and to have you in your mind to say the exact opposite of God. Mm. What he wants to do with indifference is to get you to be neutral to the things of God. Mm. He wants to get you to think that it doesn't matter, that it doesn't take all that, 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 you know, it, it, whatever going to happen, going to happen. I don't have to spend time in prayer. If God wanted to happen, God going to make it happen. He's not really trying because it did. Because if you look at the word indifferent, he's not really trying to get you to, to, to be uh, against God. He wants you to be indifferent to the things of God. Because he knows if you have no passion for the things of God, then you place your yourself in a position where it doesn't even matter. You won't really think about God. He wants to get you into this trap of just living a life where you almost feel like God's not even involved in your life. That's the indifference. That's the indifference he wants to do. And he says, and when you get to that place of indifferent to the word, because God is the word, when you get indifferent to that, that's when annoyances show up. That's when hardship shows up. That's when labor shows up. Why? Because you didn't think it mattered to pray to ask God about whether you should take the job or not. Because you didn't you didn't think to ask God whether it's not it was time to take the vacation or not. You just made the decision, just you know, case sera sera. And then you you wonder why things didn't work out. You wonder how it didn't go well. And, and then you start to say things like it never works out for me, you know, because he's getting you to, to lull into this indifference so he can affect your thinking so that he can really begin to get you to see the word is not being valuable. That's so good. I looked up the word indifferent when you said that. The definition of indifferent is having no particular interest mm -hmm. or sympathy unconcerned yep, you're unconcerned about you're the word. unconcerned yeah. you're you have no interest no, in the word think about this so when somebody tries to talk to you about the power of your thoughts mm -hmm. and the power of your words mm -hmm. you're unconcerned yep. it don't matter what i say they just words y'all tripping y'all acting y'all making it more than it is but the second definition says neither good or bad mediocre so your mediocre mindset, your lukewarm mindset, your lukewarm <laughs> mindset alienated you from God mm -hmm. into, and it didn't just alienate you, it takes you into mm -hmm. a lifestyle, mm -hmm. not just an occurrence, it takes you into a lifestyle of annoyances, of hardship, and of labor, and, and, right? And to stress this point about lifestyle, think about this, you may go on vacation, and rent a yacht and spend a few days on a yacht and have a great time. That ain't your lifestyle. Well, come on then. Your lifestyle is a person who owns the yacht, who lives on the yacht, who sails around the world on the yacht, and the, and the yacht is where they spend most of their time. He says, so this lifestyle, it's not going to be just an annoyance every now and then. Your life is going to be annoyances. Your life is going to be hardships. Your life is going to be labors. It's, you, you may come out of it every now and then, but where you're going to live is going to be in those annoyances. Where you're going to reside is going to be in those hardships and those labors. He said, you're going to have a lifestyle of that if you allow your mind to be indifferent, neutral, or not caring about the things of God. 
And listen, this is so important. Is this helping y'all, man? You ought to share this. I love seeing the comments. Etoy just put a comment up, and I want y'all to pull, um, Ralph, pull her comment up because I want to say because I want to because I want to walk through her thinking here, and this will this will help us see the strategy of the enemy. She said, "I just told my husband a couple of years ago some of the things that are happening would have had me shook. I wavered back and forth. I wasn't complete, so I want to push back on that." You were complete, but you didn't know didn't it, know it. Yeah. because the strategy of the enemy is to always make us think that we're something that we're not. Mm -hmm. Guys, we did not just become complete yeah. when we saw this scripture. Yeah. We've been complete since we accepted Christ. We just didn't know we mm -hmm. were complete. So we kept living like we were incomplete. It's like if somebody came to you in day and said, hey, we want you to know we've been looking for you for two years because your uncle passed away and left you a billion dollars. You've been a billionaire for two years. You just didn't, <laughs> you know, just it. didn't know it. You just, you just didn't, didn't know, know it. it. But once you come into the revelation, you should never not be that again. You should never, ever not be complete in Christ again because you know you complete. You didn't just get complete. This is telling you you've been complete and giving you a revelation of that completeness and saying, here's how you know you're complete because you're in Christ. And if you look, Christ is a mirror of our completeness. I love that. So what we're doing, the purpose of this series, everybody put this in, in, in law in all caps. We're waking up. Yes. We're waking up. You've been complete. I think Chris said in the comments, I've been on. Yeah. I've been complete. Yeah. You've been complete. I've been complete. Why? Because we don't earn completeness. Right. We wake up to it. We wake up. We don't earn completeness. Yeah. We don't work enough to become complete. We don't fast enough to become complete. We wake up to yeah. completeness. Mm -hmm. And that is why Isaiah 60 says, arise and, and shine for your, your light has come. come. And the glory of, of the, the Lord, Lord has risen up on you. you. Why? Because when the glory of the Lord risen, rises up on you, you realize I am complete. Yes. Pastor Sean, I still got money problems. Still complete. Pastor Sean, I'm not married yet. Still complete. I've been divorced. I had an abortion. I had a man. Still complete. You have to begin to see yourself as you are and not by the things that have happened man, to you. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. A rock, listen. Um, in uh, I'm gonna pull this up in Isaiah 60. I believe it's the message translation. Let me grab that right quick for you guys. Come on, you ought to give God some praise and thanksgiving right now that you are waking up to the completeness. You've been complete, you're still complete. And let me tell you why this matters because as we're waking up we still find in different mindsets. Mm -hmm. What the enemy wants to say to you is, Tanya, all that work you was doing, it was really for nothing. You ain't really complete. That's why our answer to everything has to be. I am. I am complete, complete. in Christ. And, Whereas, we, and, and we find that, while you're looking for okay, that, we look find that in Colossians 1.21 when he says at the end of that, he says, yes, he has now fully reconciled and restored you to your original design. He says, now this is what happens with the indifferent mindset. He says, but that shouldn't be you anymore because now he has fully reconciled you. He has fully restored you to your original design, which means that when we say we are complete in Christ, we are as complete as Adam was before the fall. Absolutely. We are complete in Christ. In the message, it says, get out of bed, Jerusalem. Mm. Wake up. 
put your face in the sunlight. Mm, So again, just like in Colossians, we see it tells us Mm -hmm. to reposition ourselves, Mm -hmm. to relocate ourselves to throne room realities, right? Now it tells us you put your face in the sunlight. I mean, that's that's an action part of mine. That's an action part. I got I, I got to point myself toward the word. That's the sunlight. I got to point myself toward the word. I got to make myself and my life available to God's word. So if I wake up, guys, and I feel a little depressed, I know that ain't the time for darkness and slow music. Well, if I wake up and I don't think and I'm struggling with my completeness, I need to go to see what the word says about my completeness. So I have to do the practical things on a day to day basis. I got to put my face in the sunlight literally get out of bed stop getting out of in bed. bed with us with the blinds closed being depressed talking about nobody loves you get up get up put and your put face, your in, face the word. in the word <laughs> here's another thing don't sit there and feel inferior and binge watch a series right binge watch these teachings yes. to remind yourself to stare yourself up that's what paul said to timothy mm-hmm. he said you stare yourself up in the gift that's been put on the inside of you. The gifting is our ability to preach. It's not singing. It is this gift of completeness that God has given us. You got to learn how to get up and how to relocate yourself. You got to hear a thought and say, that's a lie and get up and relocate yourself. You got to hear the enemy say, you're failing. You're not going to make it. And you get up and you begin to rehearse the things that God has said to you. Why? Because if you, listen, this is the thing I I will tell you. If you will fill your heart with the word, the word will help you when you're struggling. Mm -hmm. And so if you will put the word in you, it's just like we tell kids. We tell kids, study for a test, right? Because if you study for a test, then God can call back what you put in. Mm -hmm. So every day I'm getting in this word I'm studying for whatever test is going to come. I don't know how life is going to show up, but I'm going to study the word, right? And then when something happens, what you're going to get to the point to, if you remember when you first started doing multiplication, you didn't just call them off. Right. You had to go, Mm, four, four fours is 16. Mm-hmm. Now you like four times four is 16. Mm-hmm. If you will keep putting this word in, something will happen. And literally before your subconscious mind can kick in and take you on a old path, the word will start preaching to you. It'll say, Leslie, you more than enough. You yeah, got this. You're an overcomer. The me. word will start talking to you. Guys, our goal is to get so much word in us that the word starts preaching to us, Amen. even that you, you, I want you Amen. to get to the point that when you're quiet, you can hear the word preaching Amen. to you. You can hear the Holy Ghost preaching to you. Why? Because that's the way you live. Because then what's in you, come on, Kim, what's in you is going to come out mm-hmm. of you. I am complete in Christ. I need all 76 of you. I am complete (laughs) in Christ. I am complete. That is my reality. You're not, you have to get to the point that that becomes the anchor and you refuse, you refuse to allow people or even your own emotions to pull you out of your completeness. Mm -hmm. Tell your neighbor, don't be moved. Don't Don't be moved. Right now. So it says, he accomplished this. I'm sorry, Ralph, Chris, back to um, Colossians. It. He accomplished this in dying our death 
in a human body. Mm -hmm. He fully represented us in order to present us again in blameless innocence. Yeah. That is so good. He accomplished this. How did we get complete? He tells us you didn't do it. He accomplished this by doing what? He died our death. He fully represented us in order to present us fully again presented. in yeah. blameless innocence, face to face with God, with no sense of guilt, suspicion, regret, or accusation. All charges oh. against us, oh. all charges against oh. us are officially canceled. Now, I want you to understand how he tries to bring charges. He says, Sean, you ain't all of that. Mm -hmm. All charges against me are officially mm -hmm. canceled. Sean, you don't have a right because of how all charges against me are officially canceled. They aren't canceled. And so then he says, you don't deserve it because you didn't. You're right. I didn't. But Christ did. Mm -hmm. And all charges against me are officially canceled. So when you bring a thought to me that's not true, my responsibility is to say I am not guilty. The charges have been dropped. It's also my responsibility to say, I don't do that because that ain't me. And then he says, and just so you don't forget it, so you don't forget what Christ has done for you, he says, stay intoxicated mm. <laughs> under the influence of that fact. He says, let what your faith knows to be true oh. cause you to be intoxicated with that knowledge. Be intoxicated with the fact that it was Christ who died a human death for you. He says, be intoxicated with the idea that he fully represented you in order to fully present you blameless of innocence, face to face with God, with no sense of guilt, suspicion, regret or accusation. He said, be intoxicated with knowing that every charge the enemy tries to bring against you has already been canceled. So how can I be broken if I'm complete? Becoming sober to something else? Because, right, you you become sober to another, to something else. He says, forget being sober. Well, what, forget keeping it real. He says, become intoxicated with true reality, which is that you have been forgiven of all charges against you. They've been canceled. So not only does my past not have the ability to hold me, the present doesn't have the ability to get me to repeat the past. In the words of the Apostle Paul, what past? What past? They tried to talk to Paul about his past. He says, I've wronged no man. He said, what you mean? They said, all them people you kill. I don't know what you're talking about. He says, I don't even, I don't even, I don't understand the words coming out of your mouth. What do you mean? I, I, I don't know this person you're talking about. Paul was so changed. He literally was like, who are you talking about? You used to persecute Christians. That wasn't me. And I used to read that and go, Paul tripping. He know that was him. But I realized what Paul was saying is I'm so new in Christ. I don't even know that old person. I wish we could get so new in Christ. We quit living our lives based on who the old people were. What past? Why are we talking about last year? Why are we talking about yesterday? We are new in Christ. Remain under the influence. Yes. That's also an action, guys. An action. And I love it. I love y'all. Y'all are the best people. Somebody done brought in Beyonce song, Drunk in Love. <laughs> Listen, you need to get drunk in the reality of God's love mm -hmm. towards you. And you need to remain under the influence of what your past knows to be, yes. what your faith knows to be true about you. Firmly consolidated in the foundation of your belief 
so that nothing can distract you mm. from the expectation of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Guys, look what it says. It tells you that is your responsibility. My responsibility is to get so drunk in what God has said, mm -hmm. to get so full of faith mm -hmm. in what God has said, that even if the world is crashing around me, I refuse. Refuse, refuse to be distracted. Refuse. I refuse to be distracted by anything other than what God is saying. Mm -hmm. And I just want y'all to put in the comments, how would your life look if you resolved yourself to not be distracted? I won't be distracted. If you resolved yourself, how many how many better days would you have? How much quicker would you get solutions? How many times would you be the hope in the situation instead of complaining like everybody else? Last night we was watching Family Feud. And one of the questions in the when they're going for the $25,000 or $20,000 was this right here. How long can you go without complaining? And the first sister said 10 minutes. And we like, whoa. And child, y'all, the second sister. She came out and said what? Five minutes. That's the longest they can go without complaining. That that's the longest they can go without Or at least that's complaining. what they thought a hundred people would say. That, that, that That's the <laughs> longest they can go without complaining. And it came up out of them, though, really, because right. that's, that, because that's, who, that's, they are. that's yeah. who they are. Listen, you got to get you got to get to the point that you're asking yourself, what did God say? Mm -hmm. And if you, you use the scripture, was it? I don't know, because we preached so much together over the last <laughs> uh, Wednesday, too. But you, when Philippians, it says, whatsoever things are true. Yeah. Are you thinking about what's true? Mm -hmm. or are you thinking about what you can see? Mm -hmm. Are you thinking about what's true or are you thinking about what you feel? Are your thoughts defined by your feelings and your circumstances or are your thoughts anchored in Christ? I always think about how Pastor Cynthia used to make this statement. It was a simple statement, but it evolved so much. And she said, she used to say this. She still does. She said, but are you taking God serious? Are you, do you take God serious? Are you taking God serious? In other words, are you taking him at his word? Do you take God serious? Because if you take God serious, there are just some things you won't allow the enemy to say to you because you know what Christ has said. And when you take what Christ has said, it trumps everything else. Take God seriously. Take, so, well, what? Somebody ought to, you, you ought to go ahead and type that, say, I take God serious. I take God serious. And I want you to understand, guys, that when we say we take God seriously, when we take God seriously, that doesn't just mean Oh my God, I don't want to get in trouble with God. No. That means when God says wealth and riches is in my house, I took that seriously. Or when he when tells he me I'm said, complete, I take that seriously. When he tells me that I have peace that surpasses all understanding, I take that seriously. So when something comes up that tries to take my peace, I go, wait a minute. No, 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 no. I have taken God seriously. You can't have my peace. Mm -hmm. You can't have my peace. Colossians 2 10, this description that we built this whole script series on, what does it say? We are complete in him. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in him and he is peace, in order for me to lose my peace, I had to step out of who I really am. If he's my provision, in order for me to lose my provision, I had to step out of I had to abandon my original design. We're going to stop abandoning our original design and stay in this truth that we are complete 
in him. And this is what Jesus literally was saying in the Gospels. He was like, look, I am in the Father. And the Father's in and me. And the Father's in me. He says, so if you are in me, then that means I am in you. He says, and the only way you can prosper is if you are in me because I'm in the Father. He said, and as, oh, long, as, so we, as long as we are one, things are going to be fine. He says, but if you live outside of that, outside of that true vine, he says, you're going to be left to your own devices and what you can produce for your own life. He says, so come be in me. Let me be in you because I'm in the father and the father's in me. And if you got me and yeah. the father, then we are complete. Me, Jesus and, and me, we are I'm, me and Jesus are complete in the father. So I'm complete. So I'm complete. So I'm complete. Jesus recognized where his completion came from. Oh, that's good. He, Jesus says, I'm complete in the Father. And so you need to be complete in me so that we can be complete in the Father together. My only way I get complete is through Jesus. But he's uh, but he came and literally the Bible tells us that he died so that he could present, present us blameless so we too could be complete. And so what we do, what our job is to resist our job is to resist every lie that says we either aren't complete or we get completeness someplace other than God. Mm -hmm. That is our job, family. <coughs> our job is that we reject, we cast down every stronghold mm -hmm. that says we get completeness any place other than God. Amen. We get we don't get completeness from relationships. We don't get completeness from money. We don't get completeness from people liking our Facebook posts. We are complete in Christ. That's so good because people are looking for completeness in so many places. Yes. They're looking for completeness. They're looking for a, 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 a partner to complete them. They're looking for a job to complete them. They're looking for some new opportunity to complete them. They're, they're, and what happens is people want completeness so bad, they start searching for it everywhere. They'll go to they'll 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 be a, a voodoo princess. They'll go and and be agnostic. They'll go and do all these things. Why? Because they're really looking for completeness, but they're looking for something that only Jesus Christ can feel for them. Yeah, you know, it reminds me. I can remember. I didn't know this. Searching for love in all the wrong places. Searching for love in all <laughs> the wrong places. And when you are incomplete in Christ, you will settle for a person who never should have had access to mm. you. You will build a life with a person that never should have had access to you. And you will spend your life, your indifferent mindset will cause you to live a life full of hardship, annoyances, annoyances and, labors. and labors because you tried to find your, I, I need everybody to hear this. No one but Christ can make you whole. Man. I need y'all to hear me. I don't care how great your you need any. I don't care how great your spouse is. I don't care how great your tribe is. Say that again. No, no one, one but Christ can make you whole. That's it. Your wholeness. And if you are a born again believer, you are already whole. You are already whole, and you are waking up to wholeness. Yeah. Wholeness comes from Christ. And so many of you have run so many places trying to be whole. You thought another car would make you whole. You thought another job would make you whole. You thought jumping from this relationship to this relationship would make you whole. Money won't even make you whole. 
No one can make you whole but Christ. And if you don't understand that, you can actually injure a person who was designed to be in your life. Well, thanks. It's not always that that you just hook up with someone who wasn't supposed to be in your life. The very people who were designed to be in your life, you can run them away because you're trying to put pressure on them to be something they could never be. I said to you this on the way to church. I said, and I'm not I'm not trying to be shady. I'm not trying to be rude. And I was like, the way people make Christ constantly prove right. himself. Right you know they would be irritating in a relationship. Mm -hmm. If Jesus, who died on the cross and shed his blood, got to keep proving to you that he has not abandoned you, then you are exhausting for a person. Yeah. You're exhausting for a person. And I used to say this years ago, we have to be very careful about trying to get something from somebody else that only comes from God because we become like a parasite yeah. and you're literally trying to make your husband make you happy, make your kids make you happy, make your job make you happy. And listen, I was listening to you um, the other day you were doing, um, you, you're, you're so good at your job. And I was listening to you navigate through this guy who was so upset because he did not get acknowledged at work in a certain way, mm -hmm. right? And literally, you probably spent 15 minutes trying to get this guy without preaching a whole message to understand that he was not more valuable or less valuable because his he didn't get included in an email. And, and some of you go, that sounds silly. But think about the things and the ways those thoughts show up to you mm -hmm. that cause you to live in this place where if people are not constantly affirming. I was going to say the thing that you said, but then I was like, don't say it that way. <laughs> I, was, I was like, don't say it that way. I don't know what I was okay, okay, okay. But, but constantly, you, you, don't, you shouldn't have to be having someone constantly affirm you about what it is that Christ has already said about you. Babe, I'm so proud of you. You don't even remember how you used to say that, that, do you? I don't you? remember, but you, I don't know what you're talking about. There you say. Because what you don't... Oh, I know. Oh, I, oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't uh, say that. Yeah, don't say that. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't say that uh, no more. I don't say that no more. <laughs> it was the sunshine part, wasn't it? It was the sunshine yeah, don't, part. Yeah, don't, don't say that. What you going to give me not to say it? Uh, <laughs> I'll buy you dinner. <laughs> okay, all right. I ain't going to say it then. I'm, listen, I'm trying to get you to understand that there are sometimes, there are friendships. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> there are friendships. It's and, the fact that I used to actually say that yes, to people, not yes, just think it. Yes. That's the pro that's yes. the problematic part. That's the problematic part. But look how far you've come. Listen, Amen. Trinika helped you. Trinika is a good partner. Look what Trinika what said. Post what Trinika said. That old order is gone. Oh, he don't that's even right. Remember. That's right. That's he right. He don't even remember what he used that's to right. say. Thanks, Trinika. No, guys, do y'all understand what we're saying here? Because you can ruin a good relationship because you are expecting someone to be for you. Look, we, we almost done. Let, let, let's just have an honest conversation. So I probably see this way more than you do okay. um, in pastoring. But many times when people come to a church and that church um, has a woman pastor, that church has a woman pastor. 
people expect to be mothered mm. and um, they expect to be, and especially if they have had not a great relationship with their mother, mm -hmm. they expect me to become for them mm. what I can never become. Mm. So, and, and, mm. and let me, let me walk you through this. It is not that I cannot give an adult some mothering. It is that I can never mother the six-year-old you. Right. Because the six-year-old you was gone by the time I met you. Right. So I can't do that. And so what happens is, is that people will begin to put these demands mm -hmm. on me to heal for them what they feel like they didn't get from somebody else. And I don't know if it happens to you as a man, but it happens to me a lot as a woman. It may, but I think in years past, I was so oblivious to that kind of stuff. I never even noticed it. So it may have, I don't know. <laughs> and so people will have these unrealistic expectations mm -hmm. that I can do something for them that only Christ can do. Mm. Because I don't care how much I preach to you. I can never go back and touch 12 year old you. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. I can't. And so then what happens is, is that they want more and more and more. They want more time. They want more validation. They want more. They're, they're like, like, and the problem with that is that you could try to do that, but the enemy's going to always be whispering to them. So that any moment that you didn't do one thing, then the enemy's going to say, see, I told you. And, and what he's trying to do is cause that crack in that foundation to totally break so that so that everything you were designed to be in their life, they forfeit it because what they what and it's and I have seen it happen to you. And, and I always think to myself that what really what it, what it really is, is that they need Christ to heal that six year old. They need Christ to heal that 12 year old. What they're needing from you is for the person they are now and where they where they're trying to go to that because that's that's a pastor's job. A pastor's job is to work along with Holy Spirit to help see the blind spots in your life so that we're able to guide and navigate you down the road because God entrusts your, your life to us. And so there are times he'll wake us up to, to, to pray or to show us something so that we can speak and talk to you to tell you what's coming so that when you listen, you avoid the pitfall, you avoid the trap. Why? Because God works in tandem that way. But if you're only coming to me to fix the six-year-old you, and I'm designed to help the 30-year-old you, that's good. you're going to always be frustrated. And it may be that that's happened to me, but I just, I just I, I'm being honest here. I've never been concerned about the six-year-old you. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that if you come to me, I ask God, what is my role in your life? And I function from there. And then if you don't like that, then you disassociate, you leave, you go, you do whatever. But I can only do what God's called me to do because I know what it's like to put the pressure on yourself do something that only God can do for somebody. I've done it before and I won't do that again. And so I've, I've learned from that. So do you guys understand what I'm saying? And see, because what happens is, is that this, this completeness, when, when we're operating from sleep, let's say it that way, when you're operating from sleep, then what happens is you can be trying to be for somebody what you can never be for yep. them. And you can be trying to get for somebody what they can never give you. Yeah. And it can be like this thing of that, like, no matter how much someone gives you. I remember talking to a gentleman one time and he was saying, no matter what I give my wife, she's never happy. Mm -hmm. I can give her everything on the list and she's never happy. And I said to him, 
because what she's looking for, you can't give her. The problem is she, and, and, and we can have this very unhealthy view of love, which says that if Edwin loves me, he should be able to know all of my pain, all of my needs, all of my desires. And if he doesn't fulfill them like that, he doesn't love me. Yeah. When in truth, that happiness, that thing you're looking for has to be an inside job. It has to be an inside job. It has to be an inside job. So listen, we are complete in him, Amen. right? We're completing him. And I just want to go to, um, I want to go to the steps, how to live a resurrected life. Because since we're sitting with this for a while, y'all share some of y'all takeaways as we get ready to go to the resurrected life. Listen, we want to really, do you understand that if we operate in our completeness, we would break off all toxic behaviors in ourselves and we would stop engaging in dysfunctional and toxic behaviors, mm -hmm. right? If we, we would stop trying to be more than what God has called us to mm -hmm. be and we would stop expecting people to be more than, than they have the ability to be for us. Yeah. And, and, and some of you may be sitting in a place where you're, you've been offended with someone and, and you're realizing now, man, I was putting a demand on them that they didn't have the ability to give me, not because they didn't love me, but they simply didn't have the ability to give it to me, right? And so I want, to me, it's not just an opportunity to say, oh my goodness, this friendship was so demanding. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity to say, am I being demanding from people trying to get from them what only God can give me? Now hear me. I'm not saying relationships shouldn't have reciprocity. Oh, no, not at all. That is not what I'm no. saying because no. I know that some of you go to extremes and we coming back to this place where we live in completeness. I'm not saying relationships shouldn't have reciprocity. I am saying that he is incapable of managing my happiness. I am incapable of doing for you what only God can do. Absolutely. Incapable. Incapable. I, I don't have the ability, the power, the wisdom, the forethought to do for you what only God can do. And that is to and that is for you to see yourself as complete. That's right. No matter how many accolades I give to you, no matter how much I support you, no matter how many material things I could buy you, no matter how much time I could spend with you, no matter what I could do, Anything that only Christ can do for you, I could never do it. That's right. I could never do it. And let me add this. Anything that only Christ can do for me, I can't do it for That's myself. That's right. You can't do it for yourself. I can't do it for myself. I can't perform enough to see myself as complete. Mm -hmm. My completeness comes from Christ. So number one, what am I going to do? I must see myself mm -hmm. co-raised with Christ. Mm -hmm. I got to ponder with persuasion the consequence of my inclusion with him. What does that mean? I got to ask questions. I got to say, God, what does it really mean that I'm completing you? How do I live as a person who is complete in you? How do I respond to disappointment as a person who is complete to you? How do I respond to anger as a person who is completing you? I literally begin to filter everything through this concept is that if I am complete, how do I deal with this as a complete person? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Number two, I've got to relocate myself mentally 
by engaging my thoughts with throne room realities. Mm -hmm. What are throne room realities? I'm already complete. Mm -hmm. So when I'm sitting, I'm not working toward completion. I'm not working toward I complete. am complete. I am complete. And every time I read the word, every time I pray, every time I hear a message, it should be illuminating my completeness. Mm -hmm. I should not be listening to messages that when I walk away, I, 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 you should be done listening to messages where people telling you that you are old raggedy wretch, that you are old sinner saved by grace, that God don't go take his grace. Or that God got to break you down to build you up. Oh. That, that's, I saw somebody preaching that the other day. I, just, I literally just turned it off. He was preaching pretty decent until he got to that part. And he went down this pathway about how God had to break us down. God doesn't break us down when he's already made us complete. What kind of a sadistic maniac would do that? But hold on. If you have that belief, if you believe that God needs to break you down to build you up, you will invite mm. struggle into your life and then praise God for it. Mm -mm. You will invite, you know what? God, God had to make me sick so I could know help or I could know help. I lost my job and my house and my car, but God saw me through when somebody brought me something to eat out the trash can. What kind of mess is that? And there are so many people because you see yourself as incomplete. You have set yourself up that you literally expect turmoil. You expect to go through. Which is which, which goes against what he says in Jeremiah when he says, if you put your trust in me, you won't even see when bad comes. So, so if I'm if, if if I'm recognizing bad everywhere, who is my trust really in, according to the Word of God? So yeah, you gotta relocate yourself mentally. Yeah, you gotta relocate yourself mentally. And many of us have heard some of these things. You one, of the, uh, I'm gonna tell y'all one of the things I hate. This one right here. He may not come when you want him, mm. but he always on time. That is contradictory to scripture. Pastor, how can you say this contradictory to scripture? Because scripture tells me he is a very present help in the time of trouble. Scripture tells me he walked out my end, all the way to my end before I had a beginning. But if I believe that God doesn't come when I need him, when I want him, then it creates this thing that even when God is present right there with me, I'll miss it because, because I'm not in enough trouble yet. Because I'm not in enough trouble. I got to get in enough trouble for God to show up. I got to get in enough trouble for God so to show up. So you got to relocate yourself. Mentally. I got to relocate. <laughs> I gotta, I'll give you one more and then we'll go to three. It's when people say that I, oh, I hate this one too. The teacher's always silent during the test at school. And the Holy Ghost always taught always. And so what you end up thinking is that it's like when people say, when you trust God, when you can't track him, you got the word. You can always Absolutely. track God. Always you can always, God. you may not know exactly how God is going to work something out, but you can always track God because God is always where the good is happening. Always. God is always, always where the breakthrough is happening. Always. Right. Always. Number three. Avoid being distracted by the old you. And we tell you how. By becoming affectionately acquainted with throne room thoughts. That's what, and We were talking about that earlier. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. So when they tried to accuse him of what he used to be, he did not let that become a distraction. He was like, that's the old me. I don't even know what man you're talking about. Paul even went so far as to say this, which I just always think is such a, a out-the-box statement. He says, I have wronged no, no man. man. 
Yeah. <laughs> the, the, he like, I don't know who you're talking to, but the apostle Paul says, I have wronged no man. I, I am I am so new that the person you're talking about, I don't even know him. So you can't be distracted by old things in your life. You can't be distracted by the old you. You got to let the old you stay buried and be resurrected in the newness of Christ that you live in now. Right. Stop digging up that old stuff. That's Number right. four, you have to accept by faith. Everything we do in the kingdom is by faith. Mm -hmm. You may not always feel complete, but you got you got to accept by faith that your union with his death broke the association with the old you and old world. You got to do it. You got to do gotta it. See, we talked, you know, when we first taught this, we talked about that word metamorphosis. And we talked about the fact that metamorphosis is literally becoming something that you've never become before. And one of the things you talked about, and I know we, because a couple people talked about it, is you used the example of, of the caterpillar, right? But you were saying, okay, if you're a caterpillar, you start off, you start crawling on the ground, right? But now when you go through, when it goes through its metamorphic stage and it comes out of it, it's now not a caterpillar, it's a what? It's a butterfly. And we don't see butterflies crawling on the ground no more. We don't. What do butterflies do? They fly. And so we need to be so different that even the way we move, Looks different. Oh, that's good. We don't that's crawl good. no more. We when fly. Good. We don't. We, we become so transformed in who Christ has made us that I, that, that literally it looks like the caterpillar who used to crawl in the grass and now the butterfly who flies in the sky. We become so different through Christ. We don't even look like the old people we used to. No, be. I, I, here's a beautiful testimony of this. I was talking to a young lady, and um, um, and her daughter had recently got married, mm -hmm. and and her the the father had not done anything for the daughter pretty much her whole life. After mm. they got divorced, he didn't really do anything, okay? She said, and he came into the wedding. Mm. She said, and babe, she said he came in the wedding and he did everything he can to insinuate to everybody who mm. would listen that he had paid for that wedding. Mm. And she said, Pastor Sean, I was so glad that I knew the thinking, feeling cycle. Mm. She It'll said, save your life. She said, I was so glad. She said, because she said, the old me would have worn my daughter's moment mm. because I would Tore have been so <laughs> offended yeah. that he could come in there and mm. act like he had done what he knew he hadn't done. But she wouldn't, but she wouldn't operate in but the she old want, her no more. You know what she said? She said, she said. He must feel really bad about himself to have to come in here and See, lie like this. There you go. She said, and when I heard she assigned, myself, she assigned no. new meaning to that thing. She's she working said, in principle. She said, when I heard myself say it, she said, I was like, who this Harpo? <laughs> she <laughs> said, who is this? Who is this new woman talking? And she said, all of her friends kept waiting on her to snap. They were waiting on the old her to show they up. They was waiting on the old her to show up. But the up. old her was buried and gone. And she said, I had such a good time. And I didn't ruin my daughter's Praise baby God. trying to prove something God. that I already knew was true. Praise God. Man, that is so good. You got to accept by faith. So she stopped crawling. <laughs> yep. She stopped crawling. She stopped crawling. And she Learned soared. To soar. yep. So she soared over <laughs> what should have overtaken her. She soared. You know what? Let me tell because you Because her new revelations and her, her, her understanding of who she is in Christ, it broke the association. It broke the association. Between her now in the old her it broke that y'all let this word break them associations yeah. so that stuff where you used to show up and act out and get upset and get offended and get depressed then literally the other people who know you are looking around going 
What? And you go, you could be like Paul. Oh, that old me is dead. That old me was co-buried. This is a new me. Live in this newness. And I just want you to think about this as we do the last couple of how good would it feel to have these things that used to always get you the same trap mm -hmm. that used to always get you for you to literally look at it and go, I see you. <laughs> see, right. See, you see, we're not going to beat the baby. We're not going to beat the baby, <laughs> I right? I thought we were going to get out of a message not talking about the baby today. No, no, no. <laughs> no, everybody, we, listen, we're not going to beat the baby. We're not going to beat the we're baby. We're going to be transformed. <laughs> we're right. not caterpillars. We're not left to being on the ground, That's low right. level thinking. That's right. We soar above. What would happen? I'll never forget Bishop Corletta Vaughn said this. She said, um, some trouble only finds you because you're flying too low. Flying too low. She said, it's some trouble that only mm. finds you because of the altitude you're flying at. And she said, if you think about it, most of the time in a storm, they don't take planes lower. They take planes higher. Mm -hmm. So when we see ourselves as complete in Christ, we're going higher. We're going above the things. Yeah, somebody need to invite the baby to FOC. Let's pray for him. <laughs> believe something supernatural. Amen. If y'all know the baby, tell the baby we really can't help him not go to jail. We can help we him can help live a better life, we right? Can. Now, number six, this is so important. Remember that idol worship is worshiping a distorted image of yourself. Mm -hmm. I want you to hear this. Anytime we go looking outside of God for something. If we're not careful, we're going to end up with a distorted image of ourselves and we're going to start to worship that, in, mm -hmm. that image. And I want you to know this. If you go back to Genesis, the devil never asked Eve to worship him. Mm -hmm. The struggle in Genesis, the sin struggle, right. he did not say Eve, I want you to bow down and that worship If you me. worship me, I give you more than God gave you. That's he not never what he did that. What he said was, Eve, cut out the middleman. Yep. You don't need God to mm -hmm. tell you who you, you are. You can be indifferent to God. You can be indifferent <laughs> to God. And she did. And what did it do? It gave her annoyances. It gave her hardships. And it, and it gave her a lifestyle. What was the other one? Uh, annoyances. Hardships. Hardship. Labors. Labors. <laughs> Labors. Labors. Eve had been working all that time and had never been toiling. Never been toiling. So we want to remember... And in and, and America, where we go is we go idol worship is if somebody worships Baal mm. or somebody worships Buddha. Idol work, they said we skip five. Idol okay. worship is when you worship a distorted view of yourself. Because hear me, it is only in a distorted view of yourself that you would ever be interested in another God, mm. no matter what mm -hmm. kind of form it is. Even if it's yourself. Even if it's yourself. Okay, what's number five? Number five was consider the members of your body. Consider members of your body as dead and buried towards everything related to idol worship. And we know that idol worship is that whole idea of worshiping a distorted image of ourselves. So that means this. I had to, I remember when the Lord said this to me, I had to throw down anger as an idol. Mm -hmm. I had to throw down, I had to stop giving my body over to anger. Mm -hmm. I had to give that up. And I can remember this. The Lord said this to me. Um, if you, you if you've heard me talk about my father, my father was 
a hustler, all this different kind of stuff. And he taught me a lot of lessons and those lessons impacted our marriage for a while, mm -hmm. right? And he said, to, I will never forget, I was standing in worship one day and the Lord said to me, he said, you are never going to have the kind of marriage you want until you give up your identity as your father's daughter and be my daughter. Mm. And the truth of it is I took a lot of pride in being my father's daughter because at least I got to say, hey, I don't have a bunch of stories of no dudes hurt my feelings. Right. I don't have all that stuff. Listen, if anything, they upset. And the Lord said to me, until you get rid of that, until you get rid of that, you are never going to be able to have the relationship with Edwin that you want because I always had to have this thing. And I and you can go back and listen to some other messages where, where I talk about this, that even though I loved him because I so had this wrong image of myself that I actually worshipped, I took a lot of pride. Sure. I took a lot of pride in the fact that you want to go hustle me. I took a lot of pride. I used to say, I used to be like, I love him, but if he leaves, you best believe I'm going to be okay, right? So when you live that way, and not that I wouldn't be okay, but it was a bigger issue. When I, as long as I had that perspective, there were vulnerabilities and ways that I could not even let you into my heart. And the Lord said to me, you can keep talking to me about having this kind of marriage, but you can't have it because you have an idol issue. Yeah. And the idol is you. Yeah. You have exalted, hear me, this version of yourself that is not true. Yeah. You have exalted. How many of y'all just ought to go ahead and throw down some idol worship right now? What version of yourself have you exalted mm. that is not true? Mm -hmm. He said, this version that you have created of yourself, yep. it's, not it's, not. True. it's not true. It's not who you are. The idol issue is you. We're using this completeness so that all the idols fall over. Mm -hmm. So there's no need. I, and this is what most people won't admit. I couldn't have said it at the time, but I can see it so clearly now. I worship that version of myself. Mm -hmm. That version of myself, it was how I protected myself. It was, it, I, I took pride in the fact that nobody got out on me. I took pride in the fact that I kept a part of my heart locked away. And here it is, God is saying, I got this for you, but I can't even have what God has for me because the idolatry is me. Mm -hmm. I'm the idol. Yeah. I think it's true for a lot of us in so many areas. And we have to constantly be on the lookout for idols trying to move into our life. Come on. We have come to constantly. On. It's not a one day thing. You have to constantly be looking to make sure that certain things in your life, you are not placing them as idols in your life. You got to make sure you're not placing people, things, resources, thoughts as idols in your life. Because if you do, then they begin to take the place of who God is. Of who God is. And as long as you're looking at them, you can't see who you are. Yeah, Miss Jones said, I repent. I do too. No, I, I repent. I, listen. I repent for and any idol I've ever had in my life or who still may be there. And God, I give you permission to show me if I still got some. If I still got some idols, you have permission. And what you have to do is that that's the reason that the enemy tries to bring things back from your past. And let me give you another step how God closed this for me. He said to me, so like, if somebody would say something to me, and I didn't pop off at the time, I would meditate mm -hmm. on how I should have popped mm -hmm. off, right? Mm -hmm. And he said to me, it ain't going to get you now, but mm -hmm. it's going to get you if you keep on doing it. Because whatever you meditate on gets magnified in your life. But it was still worshiping that sure, image. Absolutely. It was that 
the old me, you never would have said that to me. You never would have whatever. And you were going to, and, 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 and you, can y'all see that guys? So then that gets us to number seven. Yep. The way that I get rid of idolatry is I embrace God's design for my life. And his desire. And desire as my own. Mm -hmm. I say about myself, I'm who he says I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not who I created in trouble. Yep. I am not who I thought I had to be to survive. I am not who the world tells me I am. I create, I am who he says I One am. One of the most powerful things, you know, and it was after we had went out to Portland, Oregon, uh -huh. uh, and we came back. One of the most powerful things the Lord said to me is he said, you don't, he said, you don't have to be that seven-year-old boy who needed protecting. He's like, that's not who you are anymore. But my whole life had been built around this thing that had happened when I was seven years old. And as a result, it wasn't like I was I, I was fitting a seven-year-old into things. Everything was fitting into the seven-year-old. Oh, that's good. It, which is good, different. That's good. It's very different. It, 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 everything was fitting into that seven-year-old. So no matter what happened out here, it, it, was, it was only being viewed through the lens of this seven-year-old. And, and as a result of that, it created lots of different issues in my life that were never going to be conducive to me being the person God called me to be. Maybe maybe I can look back and go, yeah, but it stopped me from doing, from getting, taking advantage of in this way and that way and that way. But it robbed me of who, of who God, of, of all the things God wanted me to experience. And anytime it robs us, it alienates us from being away from what God wants us to be. It's not the best for us. And the reason it becomes idolatry is because we really do prod ourselves sure. in how that identity Absolutely. protected us. Absolutely. And that's the reason we fight God so hard to give it up because we're like, because no, he's supposed to be our protector. God. But if I got this other thing that's my protector, you can, the Bible says you can't have two masters. It says you're going to either love one and do what? Hate, Hate the, the other. other. But you cannot serve them both. And so if you're serving this one that you think protects you and not letting God do it, then you tell God you can be second, but you can't be first. Now, whether we say it or not, that's how we show up. And, and it's a hard truth that we have to tell to ourselves. And it's jarring to hear, no, to, jarring. to hear yourself to say it, but it's the only way you get free. It's the only way you get free and go, you know what? I don't want this thing to be first. I want God to be first. So, so I make a decision. I make a decision. I cut away all other options and I say, God, you're first. I remember telling God, God, I'd rather for you to be first and for me to be hurt than for me, than for you not to be first and me not to be hurt. So I'm going to do it your way, even if that means I got to be if hurt. That means. And you know what he said? If you put me first, you won't be hurt. But you got to make the decision that even if it means being hurt, I'd rather be hurt, be God first, rather than being protected with him second. And for me, he, um, he used Psalm 62 to really anchor me in that. Mm. My expectation comes from God. Mm. In him only will well, I, I trust. trust. He said, you don't need anger to be your filter. I'm your filter. I love it. You, you, don't, you, you don't need distance to be your filter. I'm your filter. I love it. Right? I, so he's not saying just go out here and let anything happen. No. He's literally saying... I say this all the time. I ask people all, I ask God all the time about the people I meet. Yeah. What am I supposed to do with them? Who, who is this person to me? 
What kind of relationship can I have with them? Every year, I'm evaluating relationships. Even somebody I used to be really close to five years ago, we're not close anymore because God is like, no, you can't trust them in that area. That doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It means that it's his responsibility to take care of me and he can't do his job when I'm in the way with all of these alternative personalities and idolatry that I'm justifying using for not doing it his way. And to your point when it says you cannot worship two gods right you're gonna love one and hate the other and so some of us need to admit that we actually hated when god told us to do it his Mm -hmm. way we hated that because we were more inclined to doing it our way so we came and sang about how we loved them but then we cried and we acted so ugly and so immature and 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 literally despised and that's and that's if you cared (laughs) if you you only had those emotions if you cared if If you you didn't care you were indifferent and you came and sang about god and all he was going to do and went out there and lived your life on your own and did whatever you wanted to do and had no remorse about it oh that's the i love god but i cuss a lot (laughs) right right okay okay well listen we gonna go ahead and stop right here have you been blessed by today's message we hope you've been blessed. We hope you will listen to this earlier in the comments. Somebody said they had listened to like parts one and two several times. We hope you'll keep listening to this, right? Because there is a new level of freedom for us. Mm-hmm. There is a new level of deliverance for us. But I want to say this, man, if you have never accepted Jesus as your personal savior, please accept Jesus because all of your completeness starts with accepting mm-hmm. him, mm-hmm. with acknowledging that you need a savior, that you cannot Fix yourself. If you have been in a backslidden state, you're in a relationship you're not supposed to be in. You're you're you doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing. You got the wrong relationship with alcohol, wrong relationship with anger, wrong relationship with people. Come home. Abba loves you and he wants to teach you to live to be free. And thirdly, if you want to be a partner of FOC, you should be a partner here. This is a really, really good church. This is a good church that is here to teach people how to walk in love, live by faith, and experience God's prosperity in every Mm -hmm. area of life. And we want you to live in that total life prosperity, right? So if you want to accept Jesus, you can send us a message or put the comments here. If you want to become a partner, there is a link on the screen, and they'll put it up in just a second. You can go there. Again, we're asking all of our partners, if you haven't filled out the partnership form, please get that done. Yeah, All they have to do is go to the website. Uh, once they go to the website, there's a place there that just says register. I think it's like a red link. It just says register. They they click that. They fill it out. Uh, we ask all of our partners to do that if they haven't done that. And then we also are asking them to make sure that they've completed the Victory Zone information as well, to make sure that they've included their kids' birthdays and the, uh, other information, their ages and those things. Because when Victory Zone reaches out and wants to do things for them uh, throughout the month, uh, for instance, they want to send them a card or they want to send them an encouraging word. Or it's their birthday and they want to send them a gift card or something like that, they'll need that information. So we ask them to go and do that. And so the partnership, the website is www.foc.com. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. F-O- it's F-O-C Church. Church. F-O-C Church. You ain't been to the website in a minute. I don't want to go to the website. I like literally live the website. Okay. It's okay. I want to make this plea because I talked to San Teresa and said that we would do this. Guys, I want to really want to encourage y'all. Um, We really want people who have a heart for kids and a heart for teens to get involved. Yeah. Listen, I want you to stop and think about this. And I think I probably say this once a year and I probably need to say it more. I want you to stop and think about the mistakes that you potentially could have avoided 
if someone had taken the time to teach you. Yeah. And if you're a partner of FOC and you have a heart for teams, I need you to get in touch with Santresa or get in touch with Chandra and say, I want to get involved in what's happening with teams. That doesn't mean you have to teach every week. It doesn't mean, but we really need to make an investment in our teams. Guys, if you look, you can see the cases of suicide is going up yeah, amongst our teens, the cases of alcohol and drug abuse, kids running away, sex trafficking, all of those things. And let's be honest, they are really, truly, honestly dealing with things that we didn't deal with at that age. They are dealing with things they, that they we have did access not deal to with. so much more information and technology than we ever did. And for some of them, it's not easy to handle and they need someone who they can talk to and someone who will give them good guidance. And, and it may seem like, I know a lot of times with teens, it may seem like they're not listening at the time, but when they need that information, it comes back up. The Lord brings that back up to them. So it may seem like you're not really having an impact right now, but you really are. Well, and if it feels that way, just know that's kind of how pastoring can feel for adults <laughs> sometimes too. So just, but if you have a passion for teens and there's some people, I'm not going to call y'all name, but I know that that anointing is on you to deal with teens. You need to reach out to um Santresa um because they they we we owe them more and we need to really invest in them. You know what happens is is that a lot of times when our teens act out, then we're like, well, what happened? Well, let's invest in them so that we know the <laughs> things. Let's ask what happened. Let's ask what didn't happen. What didn't happen, right? right? And so we want to encourage you to do that. So Santresa, let me know who reaches out to you because there's a couple people I'm looking to reach out to you because I know that they are anointed to deal with teens. And, 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 and we really need to, and, and we need men who are willing to serve too, not just women. We need some of you, as the old folks say, we need some of you men, men folk. folk. We need some of you men folk to show up and get involved and do some of these things with our kids, with our teens, Prayer ministry. We need people need to see that men love Jesus too, mm. not just women. Men love Jesus too. And so now it's your opportunity to give. Amen. It is your opportunity to give. Listen, we ask that if you are an international partner, that you can use the PayPal, which is FOC Church NWA at Gmail. See, I got that right. But if you are not an international partner, we ask that you would use one of these ways. Give a five push pay totally my favorite text to give. And let's, um, you know, remember, we have the scholarship fund coming up. We're, we're still being a blessing to so many people around the world. Um, we love you guys. We're still praying for increase in your life. We're praying for jobs and better jobs, for promotions, for increase. And we declare the FOC is 100% tithing church. And it's 100% tithing church so that every time, every time, that every time there is a need that we have the ability to reach out. And then last, Pastor Chris is asking if you sing or you play an instrument that you would reach out to her. Listen, because we're a virtual church and because we have partners from all over, if you're willing to come in, you can sing and bring your instrument and you can be a part of the praise and worship on that Sunday. And is it what? this week? That, and something like to put in the comment, is it this week that they said they're going to send out a link for those who are interested in prayer ministry? Was that last week? My, my week That's, today. That's today. Okay. That's today. As okay. soon as church is over. As soon as church is over. As soon as church is over. Okay. Right. I just want to say this. I want you to hear me. We have an expectation of our intercessors. You got to live right. Mm -hmm. Two things. You got to live right. You ain't got to be perfect, but you sure got to live right. And number two, you can't be a gossip. 
if you talk a lot, you can't be on the intercessory prayer team because people can't say we can't tell our prayer. Those are very yeah. important. And things. to be clear, if you are either one of those things and on the prayer team, you won't be on the prayer team. Not very long. Right. Not very long. We'll say, listen, we want you to find another place to serve where talking a lot is good. Like maybe Greek. <laughs> parking lot, parking lot parking ministry. Lot ministry right. <laughs> because those things are very important. And people need to know. People need to know that when they tell us something that it's going to stay in mm -hmm. the confines of the group. And they also need to know that the people who are praying for them actually don't have to spend their whole prayer um, repenting for the way that they live. Right. So we love you guys. We thank you. We think you're amazing partners. We want to see you tomorrow for strategies for success at noon. We want to see you Tuesday at 8 p.m. for prayer. We want to see you. We, we want to get our kids and um, ignite our teens and ignite on Friday, on Wednesday at 7 p.m. We want you to come to Bible study at Wednesday at 8 p.m. We want you to live free but not sinning free on Thursday. And we want you to come to prayer on Friday morning at 6.30 a.m. We want you to have a great day on Saturday. And then we want you to come back Saturday, I mean, Sunday at 9 o'clock a.m. for Pastor Chris and Elder Valley, and then come right back here where we're going to talk at least one more week about living your life, the resurrected life, and you are being complete in him. Look at you knock out them announcements. Listen, <laughs> and, and, and if this blessed you, can I need everybody to do this. If this blessed you, we still have 64 people left. And the people who stayed, I'm going to give a blessing at the end. It's been a while, but I'm going to do that. For I, If this blessed you, I want you to directly reach out to one person, not just share it on your post. I want you to ask the Lord, what is one person who, who is one person I know that can really use this teaching? And I want you to make a personal connect with them and say, check this out. And then let's talk about it. And then, you know, go from there. And That's what I want you to we do. We didn't mention it. He put it up there, but the huddle, June 5th. The huddle, June 5th. That's our next in-person service live at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time here at 2737 North Old Wire Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas at our FOC campus. We will be having the huddle. Uh, we know we're champions, and so we kind of using that theme that we come together monthly. Uh, we huddle together uh, to celebrate, uh, to encourage, and to learn, and that's going to be happening Sunday, June the 5th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. People typically ask, are you still going to do uh, online service before that? So if I can't come, I can still be a part of service. Yes, we will still be here at 930 on that Sunday, June 5th. But then after that, we'll be next door uh, at the Family Life Center, uh, Sunday, June 5th for service. All right. Y'all have an absolutely amazing week on purpose. And remember what? I am complete, complete in, in Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. We love y'all. Have a great week. Bye-bye.